It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Reno. Yeah, welcome in Reno. The hour is brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. 766-1400 is the number you got to dial, 775. In the north, uh, Cofield here in Laradice, back in Vegas, Adam Candy, Damon as well. Good to hear Tyler Bischoff uh, rooting for UNLV fans to be all pissed off. It's kind of the, the thing on the morning show. Uh, when they possibly lose out in a big tiebreaker at the end of the season if they're deadlocked at 10-8 and eight or 11-7 and seven with a bunch of other teams. And Damon, reality right now is uh, you know some of the early losses like Air Force – like Southern, making it tough for UNLV to explode up into the area where the rest of the Mountain West Conference teams reside, which is six inside of the top 50. And UNLV, I feel like it changes like every minute. Uh, UNLV Ken Palm is 75. I think they are 81 today in the net. So you know how you take care of that and uh, get into like a really good tie situation? It would be to win out, right? And it starts tomorrow against Wyoming. A little earlier start than we're accustomed to. It'll be a 6 o'clock tip and 5.30 with Run Rebel warm-up, so uh, Kofi and the company will be a little bit abbreviated. All right, let's get to the Big Four. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Four at four. Number four. out of the gates here in the Reno hour. We got to clean up something that uh, developed late in the show last week in the five o'clock hour. Candy may have hit on something that actually is accurate. Uh, he's a dog guy. I don't really know what Damon is. Damon, are you a dog or cat guy? I'm a neither guy, Steve. Really? How yes. come? Uh, don't make, see, I said this to Adam in the first hour. Don't make me look like a bad guy, but I'm just not a pet guy. Oh, that's all right. Had one long-term dog. He is uh, no longer with us, and I have no desire to get a dog again. Yeah, I, I think that's very much all right, because there are people who can't. I'm not saying you can't take care of a dog or a cat, but there are some people who you know, probably shouldn't have them. Uh, Candy, is that what you were uh, getting at last week about uh, cat owners are sort of snooty looking down their nose, although I always thought dog owners were that way, but that we're very judgmental on dog owners? Oh, I think we're both judgmental of each other, and I think we're both yeah. totally fine with it. I, like like, it. I, I, I don't know that it's ever going to change. I think dog and cat owners dislike each other more than dogs and cats truly dislike each other, right? Like They're, they're kind of <laughs> just united in this whole idea of like, listen, man, all I want is a free ride, some food, some shelter. Right. Like occasionally, you know, touch me when I want to be touched. And I mean, frankly, I guess that's not that different than me. But like in the end, <laughs> dog and cat owners yeah. really have the real beef between them right like i think i as a dog owner look at, at steve as a cat owner and i'm like listen man you you got it easy right like you've got a, you've got indoor cats you've got garage cats you've got outdoor cats i don't know maybe you've laid claim to a cat behind you know the, the shopping center i don't know like, sure. I, I don't know which yeah. ones you consider to be your own but like Dog owners, daughters like me, we've we've got responsibility. Like we we really have to be there for for our animals. Whereas I, I think don't they have like feeders that you can just set for a week and you're like, yep. hey, listen, cat. Um, I know you're probably sleeping under the bed for the next week anyway, but in case you felt like coming out, I'm not gonna be here. But I set up this uh, I set up this food over here. I know you uh, I know you usually use the bathroom in the house, you know, without flushing, like a 
like cretin. Uh, but I, I, I guess nothing really changes, right? If you want to sleep under the bed, sleep under the bed. Um, I'll, I'll be back in a week or so. Um, and then I, I guess cool. And then like, what would happen, Steve? What would happen? If you decide like take off for for a couple weeks. Do you have to have someone come check on the cat? Like, is that is that a thing? Hold on, Steve. He said without flushing. Does your dog know how to flush the toilet, Candy? <laughs> he knows how to tell me that I need to go outside. Okay. Give a dog. He knows door. how to tell me that. Yeah, he knows how to say to me, "Yo, uh, let's uh, let's not do this in the house. Let me not let me not do this on the floor here, right in front of me, or you know, or in a in a box, um, you know, out in the garage or something." We could do this all day. <laughs> uh, we are snooty cat cat owners because the, well the reason you you mentioned it on uh, Friday is that I was looking down my nose at you guys and and I asked if it was a rescue dog that you had. Yeah, yeah, it is. I, I mean, my my dog is is a rescue dog, and like I told you Good. on Friday, there is there is a certain like especially like middle-class white person to middle-class white person where you get into a conversation and you're looking for common ground, right? You're at a, you know, you're a cocktail party or some sort of conference or something like that. And you're like, oh, do you have any pets? And as soon as one says to the other, I have a dog, two things happen. One, you're both racing to your phone to see if you can find a picture first of your dog oh, so God. that you can show them your dog and that the other person is required to say, aww. And then the second thing that happens is you are looking for the closest thing to a natural way in the conversation to work in that it is a rescue dog so that you do not get that withering judgment of <laughs> letting a shelter animal die because you decided uh, to go pay somebody a couple grand for a puppy. Uh, that is the kind of judgment that we cannot have. We, we, we our, our self-esteem will crumble from the inside if another dog owner looks at us I, and says oh i have a rescue dog do you do you have a you have a breeder dog whereas with uh, steve yeah. and his fellow cat people what you guys have is like oh did like did you pick your cat up off the street like did you stop at 7-eleven and the cat hopped in the back of the car like it wanted you know that. like it just wanted to come home with you or or is it more like Hey, the cat wandered up to your doorstep and scratched at it and was like, Hey, are you one of those people that just puts out food for random animals? And you're like, Yeah, jackpot for both of us. Those cats need more help than these coastal elite dogs that are super breeded. I'm super anti breeded. both sides, and I don't yes. know who who Oh, I I Which, love by, by this. the way, that also brings up the subject. Super breed. Because I consider Vegas in the West. If you know a Midwesterner or a Southerner who talks about coastal elite, let's ask about their dog, you sons of bitches. Because you ain't salt of the earth if you had to pay four, eight hundred, a thousand, or five thousand dollars for your dog. I talked to someone the other day, and I'm looking at them, and they're like, "Oh, I got a bargain on this dog. Normally it would be four hundred or eight hundred. I got it for four hundred. I'm like, you don't have a pot to piss in. What are you doing? Why are you spending four hundred dollars on a dog?" Right. Why spend four hundred dollars on a dog? You could walk behind Walmart, yes, and there'll be five cats sitting there for the grand price of zero. That kitty needs your help. Get cats. No super breeding dogs and get rescue dogs. There you go. There's the attitude right there. Number three. Number three. Come on. Were you now into the conversation? Did you want to chime in? 
Oh, I just really do not care about either. But we do have a text real quick. Okay, good. I have two dogs and one cat. Both good. cat and dogs can be buttheads. Both rescues. So yeah. you guys could find them happy medium. Rescue both. Be miserable with both. We could. We could. No, That's not no, my no, desire. No, no, no. Where's the, where's the misery coming from? I don't know, man. I was drained so much when you said, and people show their pictures. There is nothing I hate more than someone showing me a video of something cool their pet did. Oof. So, yes, don't ever I agree. show you me can a only, video. You can only do it if you know the other person has a pet and will probably match with videos. It's, you can't just spring it on them because it just makes everyone feel uncomfortable. Number three. On to the NBA. Lakers are frustrated. Candy, you're noticing a little too much whining from LAL? I used to think it was just the Clippers with Doc Rivers, but apparently something is circulating through, don't call it Staples Center, in the air ducts. Is that what's happening? Because now it's made its way to the Lakers locker room where after they lost to the Suns the other night, uh, Darvin Ham was out there saying, I don't usually... Talk about the refs. Uh-huh. What's the next sentence going to be? <laughs> but I got to talk about it because the Lakers only shot eight free throws. AD wasn't shooting free throws. LeBron says, yeah, you know, I usually get some of those calls. They're saying I, I saw guys get swiped in the arm and poked in the ribs and this and that. And you know what? There's one type of team that always has this sort of thing to say about the referees. And that type of team is a very specific, you know, like like a super breeded dog. It is teams that suck. <laughs> if you suck, then you sit there and complain about the refs. You got you got two choices if you're the Lakers. Stop complaining or stop sucking. Because what you did in that same game was give up 45 points in the first quarter to the Suns. So if you're on a pace in a game to give up 180 points, I don't care if you get your own whistles and start calling your own fouls. It's not going to matter because if you suck that much on defense, I don't want to hear about it. Start playing better, and then maybe you will make a little bit of your own luck, and then maybe when you're losing some one- and two-point games because a call didn't go your way, then I'll want to listen to you. But otherwise, while you're busy fighting for the play-in tournament, go do it yourself. Wow. That was nice and tidy. The resident ref on the show. We missed him. Candy's back. He can speak up for the the uh, indefensible because we kill them all I the time. I am speaking up for defense. The lost art point. of defense. And you thought you were the only old guy on this show. Number two. Number two. Uh, Eric Bieniemy over the weekend got a job at UCLA. He's the associate head coach and he's the O coordinator. Why are we all mad? Because I'm not. It's a step down from a man who was supposed to be the head coach of the Chiefs in waiting just a few short seasons ago, Steve. And now he's what? The offensive coordinator for, I saw a tweet, a third-tier team in the Big Ten? Stop. What a career downfall. Yeah. Is it a career downfall, Candy? I actually think it's a pretty good job. And listen, the the old to me, the old concerns about Eric Bieniemy that this was some sort of a racial thing, are completely out the window now. He's had opportunities. Um, he's coaching at, I, I think, a prestigious university, one that has upside in the Big Ten. This is a good job. Uh, right now, no one wants him in the NFL. He's got a certain style. He's graded people, so he gets to go work with the kids. And maybe that's a better spot for him. Maybe it is. 
because if we're going to talk about Eric Bieniemy taking a step down and make it look like it was in some way forced, don't forget who took the first step down. That was Eric Bieniemy's own choice to go from Kansas City to Washington. Mm-hmm. And the thought process that we heard last season was, well, we know Ron Rivera might not have very long in Washington. I guess Eric Bieniemy will be in a spot to position himself to get that head coaching job. And then the stories started to come out in Washington about how his style didn't mesh well with the offense. And I'm using the light version of those terms. And so maybe he ends up in a better place. Maybe he gets the Nick Saban offensive coordinator rehab treatment the same way Elaine Kiffin did, the same way as Steve Sarkeesian did. I like it for him. I think he's going to have some good players to work with at the quarterback position. He's a Southern California guy. Being back on the recruiting trail is probably a good thing for him. And like I said, his temperament, his mentality really is more for some college athletes. Not all college athletes want the uh, the hard scrabble guy coming at him, but I think it's going to work out. And I don't know, what is he making? Uh, you know, at, at, at a minimum, 600000 He may be making over a million. I didn't see what the deal was for Deshaun Foster. Um, I don't think UCLA is flush with money right now, but he's. it's not like he's out of football. He's got a gig here where if they excel at some point in the next couple of years and and again, the, the UCLA stuff, the third-tier Big Ten stuff, cut it out. Let's see when the, the uh, Pac-12 schools get to the Big Ten and if they excel. Um, I want to carry number one over because we've got a lot of Raiders to get to today. We've got a lot of quarterback stuff to get to today. We are also going to hit what happened over the weekend in Oakland with the baseball fans. Not the A's fans, but what a freaking turnout for the baseball fans in Oakland as they had a fan fest, and, man, they freaking rocked it, sending a message to John Fisher and Dave Cavill, I guess. Cavill sent out a tweet today. It doesn't make any sense. It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Reno. 364-1100, We had a weekend uh, chock full of great events, but one of the best is the rugby going down at uh, Allegiant Stadium on March 2nd. AllegiantStadium.com is where you get the tickets. The rugby is the National Rugby League out of Australia. Regular season games. This is not an exhibition. Regular season games uh, are here. First match kicks off at 530 on Saturday. Again, you can get your tickets at AllegiantStadium.com. Tailgate, 3 o'clock. First match kicks off at 530. Candy. Uh, you're more worldly than I am. The Sea Eagles, the Rabbitohs, R-A-B-B-I-T-O-H-S. Anything on that? Anything? Is that your worldly? Is that your way of of saying that I'm a dog owner and that yes. I I know things that you don't and that I see things and that I go actually see the world. And I don't just stay home cleaning out litter boxes. Is that what we're talking about? Pretty much. Okay. I don't know anything about the team names. I will tell you that rugby is one of those sports I came to super late. And, like, I was watching with a buddy who, like, actually is worldly, spends a lot of his time overseas. And Mm. he was Mm. showing me a bunch of matches that he had recorded that he, like, watches on the plane and stuff. And I'm like, this is actually really cool. I actually really like this. So, like the NBA, Major League Baseball, NFL, right, playing international games, uh, the NRL is going to be here, and uh, we've got tickets right now. Caller 7, 364-1100, The other two teams playing, they're easy. It's the Roosters and the Broncos. So, there you go. NRL in town on American soil. We'll have tickets throughout the week, but uh, go get 
some tickets on your own. I'm not trying to be mean. Uh, LegionStadium.com. First match kicks off at 5.30. I want to get to uh, the Raider-related news. Obviously, this is going to be a big week of NFL talk and quarterback talk with uh, a lot of moving pieces and chairs and quarterback deals uh, as the, the league uh, officially opens for a business in early March with the new calendar year up. But uh, we're doing more and more of these A's updates. And this weekend was real interesting. I want to get to that in two minutes. But first, first, because we always start out being you know, annoyed about the A's and Fisher and Cavill, uh, we are all following baseball because we all like baseball. DeMond may be the biggest baseball fan on the show, which is very encouraging for MLB because he's the youngest guy. What is going on? I'm seeing a trickling of signings here. And uh, we can get into how disappointed Demond and I are on the fact that the A's aren't signing anyone. But there is a little sweet spot here of some really significant players. A lot of one-year deals are happening right now. But Scotty Boris has something going on. So what's happening here? Well, everybody's been talking about the four guys that Boris still has left to sign, which has gone down to three now that Cody Bellinger signed over the weekend. And I think we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves saying, ah, Looks like Boris isn't going to get what he wants. Okay, <laughs> th- slow down. Slow Stop. down. Stop. Bellinger, Bellinger still got $80 million over three years. And most importantly, if you're Scott Boris, you know what else he got? Opt-outs in each of the next couple of years. Cody Bellinger in particular was never a guy where I thought one good season of rehab in Chicago was going to equal multi-year contract after, if you all remember... He jacked his shoulders celebrating a home run in the playoffs and then was terrible for two years after that. Scott Boris has negotiated, and this is a rough number from two years ago, so don't hold me to it. $9 billion in contracts. That is according to a Bleacher Report article from a couple of years ago. $9 billion in contracts lifetime. If you're out here coming for Boris saying, ah, you see... Look at all these guys signing for nothing. Look at him still with his clients out there. He didn't get the big deal for Cody Bellinger. I get the feeling if you just slow down a little bit, Scott Boris is probably going to win the long run because Scott Boris kind of always wins in the long run, even if it doesn't look like this contract's all that great. I wouldn't have given three years and $80 million to Bellinger. To me, and you know, he's a former high, high, high-level player. He had a good bounce back year last year, but... I mean, I could just easily see him going back to, you know, 205 with a bunch of strikeouts and 12 homers, good defense, and being a 110-game player. So maybe this is the way the Cubs have to get stars because they don't want to give out five- and seven-year deals, which I don't hate that either. I, I think five- and six- and seven- and eight- and ten-year deals are kind of stupid. Uh, who are the other Boris guys? So is, uh, is Blake Snell one of them? Blake Snell, Jordan Montgomery, and Matt Chapman are the three that – are remaining, and all right. I mean, that all makes got, a little bit more sense. They've all got some – there are some issues that would keep you from signing any of those guys to a five-year deal. This is not going to be that hot of a take. It's just going to sound like it. Yeah. But Blake Snell is by far the worst two-time Cy Young winner that I've ever seen. Like, you're talking <laughs> about a guy who was posting an ERA north of four a couple of years ago, yeah. and when, it's just that when he's good, he's really good. Jordan Montgomery – has had truly one and a half good seasons. Right. And Matt Chapman was a former MVP-level guy who just forgot how to hit. So it's not like we're looking at this and saying, why hasn't Shohei Otani signed? It's not nothing like that. Yeah. Damon, you want to chime in? Should the A's get all three? Steve, you know they won't. They won't even... They're but not why just... can't we demand these things? 
because they're not going to listen. I don't know how much I missed when I was, you know, giving out tickets to our lovely winner here. But this fan fest, whoop-de-doo, is what I thought when I saw all of this. What do you mean? What do you mean? They don't care. That's why I don't oh, want them here. Oh, the, the organization. Yeah. The A's. Oh, yeah. The organization doesn't care. They don't care. And you say demand this. They, they don't They don't want to pay people money. But once they get here, they'll eventually start winning. I don't know. Mm. The, farm, the farm system's crap. But eventually when they get to Vegas in three or four years, potentially, they're just going to turn it around like that. And we're just supposed to believe them. Oh, wait. So you don't believe that? Or what's going on here? I, I have to believe it, I guess, Steve. Got to take well, them for their word because if no, we pound the table, yeah. whoa, for their word. If Let's we pound the that. table and say we don't want that team that's going to come to Vegas if they're crap, they're just going to lie to us anyway. Candy, what did that massive fan fest of Oakland baseball fans mean to you? I'm more impressed by the fan base in Oakland than I am just about anywhere else because – no matter how many times John Fisher has told them to F off, they keep finding new and creative ways to say right back to him, no, you know what? You F off. We are going to keep supporting this team. And I get it. It's a bit of a Stockholm Syndrome relationship because they keep putting money into the pocket of John Fisher when John Fisher does not put any money back into that baseball team or that stadium. But in the end, what they're doing is they're setting a backdrop and saying, you know what? We will support a baseball team if you let us have a baseball team. Because, Steve, the A's might leave Vegas, but we've heard plenty from the people in Oakland, especially the mayor, that they still think they can support a team. They can support a team. They can support a good team that tries. There are plenty of baseball fans there, and they can grow the market. The F-off is reserved by Oakland baseball fans just for John Fisher, or shouldn't that go to Bobby Manfred, who has dissed them repeatedly, kind of snickered at the fact that, oh, no, now they're showing up. Shouldn't a lot of their ire be with the freaking cohort of John Fisher, Bobby Manfred? I don't know if Bobby baseball gets all of that the way that you would expect. Like, we know that... We know that my man Bobby does a lot of torturing, and a lot of it people kind of ask for. But in this particular case, he he's kind of been just fine letting John Fisher take the whip and the chains and the mask and be the guy out front to get the torture, and he deserves it, right? Like, Manfred hasn't exactly come as hard as he has in other situations whew, for the situation in Oakland. But when it comes to Fisher and that group look they're like yeah we'll we'll put it through the process we'll do the relocation committee we haven't heard a lot about it we haven't heard a lot about whether there's a lot of progress happening there with atanasio and the rest of the crew that's looking at this like they're just kind of letting john fisher dangle for a while is there any reason for the mayor of oakland not to drive the hardest bargain possible for use of the oakland coliseum because i saw the the next one which has been bounced around, one, absolutely have to get in in writing that if we allow these vagabonds who have turned their back on us to use our facility, then we are getting first dibs on an expansion team. You need to agree to that. And then you also need to agree to this. We're keeping the name. 
we're keeping the branding. It's the Oakland A's. And wherever you move them, if it's Vegas, then they get a new name. She should fight for both of those, right? What does she have to lose? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Ask yourself this right now. Other than those people who showed up at FanFest, which was the diaspora of the city of Oakland and beyond in the East Bay, who cares about this team at all, right. anywhere? We don't care about them here. No. We, this, this is a throw-in at the end of the deal. This is, I went and I ordered the double cheeseburger and the fries, and they're like, you know, if you spend $15, we can actually give you a free side of ranch. The A's are the free side of ranch. It's like, okay, I didn't really ask for it, but if you're going to give it to me, then that's cool. That's Vegas and the A's. Who's here fighting for the A's? Who's here pounding the table, like De- like DeMond said, for the A's? It's kind of like, well, does nobody else want this? Like, that is, is this that my is, side of ranch? Uh, that really is I one of the I'll amazing things about this. We had we had a bunch of public servants step up to vote for a $380 million package and tax benefits down the road, and none of them speak well of or come publicly about the A's coming here. I thought this was, this was supposed to be a great thing. You know, it's all for you, Las Vegas. Where's where's someone on the the A's Vegas side telling us how great this is going to be? That's the other part of it. Like Fisher's killing himself with no information. The sizzle is going away from this. Is there not one person on the ground who wants to speak up on behalf of Fisher? Or is it just too dangerous? Like you you throw your hat in the ring and then you're like, John, what'd you just do to me? You would have to cross acres and acres to be able to find somebody willing to do that. It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Reno. Damon and Candy back in Vegas. Cofield on the road here. Lara Dice, Laramie, Wyoming. We'll have more on the scene here uh, before the day before the UNLV at Wyoming game. Obviously, uh, every game for UNLV is big down the stretch here. Really got to perform at a high level to uh, potentially sneak into that group of six that's inside of 50 in the net. UNLV right now is sitting at 81, but they have won seven of eight, and they've got some winnable games and some really big games in terms of moving up the ranks, not only in the conference standings, but in the net rankings. So over the weekend, Candy, we had a court storm. Uh, Filipowski of Duke apparently got injured. Uh, Some people claim that he had uh, tripped a Wake Forest fan. Here's Jay Billis on with Shannon Sharp and Stephen A. Smith, who, by the way, Damon, I don't know how much you watch this video, those maybe there's something going on. You never know the story behind the scenes during a block, but those two guys could not have looked more bored when when Billis was talking because they, they were both. I don't know what was going on. Maybe they weren't interested in the topic. I am because a lot of people are coming out of the woodwork now and trying to ruin the fun. Years ago, when fans would run out on the field or on the court during a game, it was it was network policy not to show that because we didn't want to encourage it. So what does that say about the way we in the media use these images now? We, we can't deny that we encourage it, or at least tacitly approve of it. And uh, everybody has to accept some responsibility for this. It, I don't think it's the right thing to allow this, but I know that it's going to continue. I will accept none of the blame, Jay. Say what you're trying to say. What's he trying to say, Candy? 
you tell me what he's trying to say because I'm still trying to get over the the comparison to not showing it on TV and how that makes us all complicit in this. Yes. What is he trying we're, to say? We're all we're all encouraged when we see things on TV. You know what I'm going to do tomorrow? I am out of nowhere just going to attack a six eight player for Wyoming because those kids I look that looked like fun to me with Cam Newton. They should have never put that video out because now I'm encouraged. Now. Um, that's lame. And then, two, when he's like, we in the media, Jay, it's you and ESPN. It's CBS or it's Fox. Not us. So not all the media is showing images of the court rush. I wouldn't have known anything about it. I don't care. Now, on the issue of rushing the floor, it seems like there's a way to limit this, but schools aren't willing to put the plan together to at least herd students into a certain area. Wouldn't that be the solution? Of course, it would be one workable solution, and it wouldn't be the first time that it's happened. We've seen this before. We've seen the ropes go up right after a game. We've seen, hey, if you're going to come run the bases with your kid after the baseball game, go to Section 112, right? Like, there are ways to do this, but it seems like this is one of those where the lawyers are going to get real involved and the potential liability of however they choose to do this could be a lot more dangerous in their minds than just saying, we couldn't control it. They all just came down. Well, here's where it gets tricky for me, Cofield. Caitlin Clark's NIL value is up around a million at this point. What happens if Caitlin Clark gets run over, right? We already saw what almost happened there. So... Are the schools willing to take on that, too? Are they willing to take on Caitlin Clark suing them because their plan for how to do this worked out poorly? We have to get Justin on this. Uh, Justin Watkins, our legal insider, will be in on Wednesday because that was going to go next level. Uh, if a high-dollar NIL player wants to court a security service and pitch that security service, why couldn't they have a couple of dudes around them? Um, and then – like, what's the, what's the circle of violation for a Caitlin Clark if she just had two giant dudes or two giant whatever, women, whatever, right? And they just start freaking throwing, right? Just don't go near Because we see, I mean, how, who uh, was it, Wemby? Was it the Wemby guy who gave uh, Britney Spears a freaking kick backwards or yes, something? Yes, it was a Spurs team employee at that. There you go. So why can't, why can't we do that in college basketball? Let's get a couple of – bring in the goons! Uh, as John Cheney would say, uh, why can't we have a couple of big goons go out there with Caitlin Clark and Filipowski as part of an NIL and just start whooping ass? Let's go. Come on. Come on, Demon Deke fans. Run at them. Let's go. It's Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Gaming on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Matt Jacob up in just a minute here. We're giving away $2,024 a day throughout March, at least up until the 29th of March, 2024. You can hit the jackpot on ESPN Las Vegas. All you got to do to get in is text 702-364-1100. The code word for today is Stardust, like the hotel, Stardust, 364-1100, 702-364-1100. And if you text in, you're in the running for $2,024 today. And we'll have a new code word tomorrow. Matt Jacob is with us. Matt, can you feel it? Can you feel the uh, the baseballs flying in the air and uh, I don't know what else, pine tar and uh, chew being spit on the ground? You ready for baseball? 
I guess I could have just gone with uh, mom and apple pie. That would have been safer, right, Candy? I threw them off. Yeah, I mean, look, mom and apple pie is the smell that, wait a minute, just the apple pie. Just the apple pie. That's the smell. <laughs> well, well I, I will tell you, uh, Matt's spot today is brought to you by our friends at Circa Las Vegas. And at Circa Sports on March 28th, they're doing a big opening day. They will not tell me. It's a big secret. Uh, JVT might know. JVT might know. But uh, they're doing a first pitch. They do an official first pitch on March 28th in the book. Uh, last year, Greg Maddox threw out the first pitch. I was told that uh, they have ideas. I'll just say that. I don't want to give anything away. But they're going to have a first pitch. Uh, moms will drink free all day on opening day I'm, at Circle Las I'm Vegas. sorry, what? Yeah. Oh. And Mike, Mike Palm told us they will not be carting. Like, you will not have to. If you're a mom, so really it's just, if you're a woman, you can go in there and uh, just grab some screenshots of anyone's kids and you're good to go. Okay. So my question is, Cofield, this, this sounds like it could be a big day for you. Like, if it's, it's any moms... Grandmoms, like, like, could anybody, can anybody take advantage of this promotion? I always feel weird in the gilf convo because then I think of the guy who should be with the grandmas. We're going to get to Bobby Kraft with the story later on, and all he Ooh. does is want to oh, not boy. be with the grandmas. Oh no, you don't want to. You don't want to. You don't want to be part of that. No, you a, of, who, who? Yeah, I was going to say, can I use a Sir Mix-a-Lot line when uh, when Bobby Kraft doesn't pick up the gilfs? I pull up quick to retrieve them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. I think that works. I thought it was going to go. Thought you were going to go uh, the my hoopty direction, but uh, yeah, I like that. I like that too. Um, <laughs> we, we retired my hoopty a long time ago. Great song. Did, did we? Yes. <laughs> I didn't get the memo on that one. Yes. <laughs> uh, Matt Jacob is with us. Maybe he's uh, eating some apple pie right now for the opening of the baseball season coming up here in uh, just over a month. Matt, how are you, buddy? Last thing I need is apple pie. Last thing. Uh, you and me both. You and me both. Uh, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm dripping uh, the apple goo out of me right now. Uh, that sounded weird. Hello. Um, yeah. Let's uh, let's talk about the NL West, and let's start with the offseason that the Dodgers had. And then, you know, the beginning of this week is going to be tremendous as they're going to be rolling out some of these new stars here. And the excitement right. level for the Dodgers, especially with the win total, it's 103 and a half. I think more remarkable than 103 and a half, guys, is the fact that depending on the book, like I think uh, – uh, Circa has it at 104.5, or maybe Bet MGM, one of the two. And the D backs are 84.5, 83. They're like 20 games above the wow. next closest team in the NL West as far as the win total goes. So basically, they're projected to win the division by 20 games, which is bananas, which explains why they're upwards of minus 1,000 or some higher, depending on the book, to win the division. It's nuts. On the other end of the spectrum, you've got the A's, Matt. And, and there used to be the old maxim that, like, everybody's going to win 60, everybody's going to lose 60, and it's what you do with the rest of the games that will determine where you finish. And it seems like the market has said, yeah, maybe not with the A's, where we've seen totals down in, in the high 50s. Yeah, and when you look at their their last year, they, they didn't get to 60. They didn't come close to 60. So uh, I can understand the fact that it's the, the total's so low. It's, I, I, it's hard to believe they're going to be worse than 50 and 112, which is what they were last year. Um, but I don't think they're going to be 60 and 102, which they were in 2022. This franchise just ahead of their alleged, and I'm going to continue to say alleged move to Las Vegas um, is just in complete disarray. Um, it's really kind of interesting too, because the, uh, the aviators, as you guys know, are the, are the A's affiliate. Um, you know, 
it's it's a fun time to go out to their ballpark, but you're not even seeing their triple-A guys. And in some cases, you're not even seeing their double-A guys because those guys are in the big leagues because the A's don't want to spend money. They have it, don't want to spend it. And so I'm not betting over their win total this year. I, I wouldn't touch under. I think that's asking a little too much for a team to lose, you know, to only win 57 games or less two years in a row. But uh, this Oakland franchise, it's a mess. And uh, I think I speak for a few people when I say uh, stay in Oakland. No, you speak for everybody here, especially on this show when it comes to stay in Oakland. But something I yeah. do want to ask you about in the NBA, how rare is it for the entire slate of games to hit the under? Because that's one of those things you see, and it's who could have seen that coming because no one would expect every game to go under in the NBA. You know how nobody could expect it, Devon? It's the fact, I, at least to, to my feet, I haven't seen the you know DraftKings or FanDuel tweet that says, Oh look, this guy turned five dollars into you know twenty five thousand by eleven game parlay, all unders. So it doesn't it doesn't happen frequently, especially with a slate as long as eleven games. I didn't even realize it. Until I was almost going to bed last night. And I happened to look at the scores. I I was just, just kind of catch my eye. You know, do games go over or under a lot? It was under, 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 under. Like wait a second, I go back and double check three times. Like holy cow! It's depending on where when you bet that Oklahoma City Houston game, you either pushed or that went under. So it was either ten zero and one to the under or 11 and over the under, that is remarkable in any sport. I don't care if we're talking about baseball, hockey, you know, the NFL, on an NFL Sunday. It's astounding to have to have that happen. And even more remarkable, when you think about what the NBA has been this year, it's just no defense at all. It's tons of games in the 230s and 240s. For 11 games, or let's just say 10 of 11, to uh, stay under the total is – I never thought we'd see that this year. I mean, maybe it's just a, it's just a uh, byproduct of – Sports books, bookmakers, catching up to the numbers and just just inflating those lines, but it, it was crazy yesterday. Matt R. Jacob up on Twitter. Matt Jacob is with us here on Cofield and Company. Uh, back to our NFL, uh, NL West preview. Uh, oops, Diamondbacks oops. are sitting at eighty three and a half over under. What do you think of them? It's an interesting situation. You got a team that uh, obviously very surprisingly went to the World Series last year, um, knocked the Dodgers out. But they are another team that hasn't necessarily been, you know, crushing it during the regular season. I think last year they had right around, uh, right around that win total of, of 83, 84, 87. Um, 84 was their exact number. So, um, you know, they're a team that I'm not expecting much from um, in terms of – their win total is difficult, I guess, is the point. I think it's a good number. Uh, but I do think they've got a shot to return to the playoffs because, you know, again, every, almost every team makes the playoffs in baseball now. But um, I'm not so sure that I would touch that at 84 because I think the Padres are going to be a little bit better this year. I think the Giants are going to be a little bit better this year. I don't think that, you know, they're going to fatten up on the Cubs. They're going to struggle against the Dodgers. Um, you know, and the NL is a little bit, uh, a little bit, it's really tough to make what the NL is going to be because the Central is so goofy, too. Who's the best team in the Central? So, um, you know, I'm not so sure where I would go with, with Arizona on this one, but if I were to lean, I'd probably lean over just a tad. I think they get close to 80, 85, 86 wins, like that. Yeah, Matt, I think I actually would, would go with you, and I might actually go a step farther on that. I really like what Arizona did this offseason. I think it would have been easy for them to stand pat on having gone to the World Series, but mm-hmm. additions like bringing in Eduardo Rodriguez and keeping Guriel, I, I think they've, they've added smartly to that team. And to what you said, I kind of wonder what the Padres are going to be this coming year. Like Cofield, you know, they they slashed some payroll. Like I, I don't know that they're going to be where they have been. We don't know what the Giants will be year to year, frankly, in in the NL West right. these days. And the Rockies are pretty happy if they go 
500, I don't know, over 20 games. So <laughs> yeah, that doesn't seem like a serious franchise either. So I don't know, guys. I mean, what, what do you think about the rest of uh, the rest of that division? Yeah, it is. It is pretty crazy. When I look at the Padres, all all the expectations that were on them last year, them and the Mets, really just heaps of expectations. They're going to challenge the Dodgers. They're going to beat the Dodgers for the division. They're going to be a, they're a World Series contender, and then just fell so flat in every way possible. And like you said, they sold off a bunch of parts, including Soto. They're not, not going to have Snell, their Cy Young winner back. Um, but expectations are low, and I think maybe a team that you know underperforms one year might overperform a bit the next year because those expectations off. They still have to tease as long as he stays healthy and, and away from whatever it is he likes to take on the side. And, and Machado, a little year older, still a, still, still a marquee player. So, you know, they've got some solid pitching. I think the relief pitching is a bit of, bit of a concern. I think they might be a little bit better. Um, I think you're right about the Giants. We don't really know what to make for them from, from series to series almost. They've become a franchise that's just basically penciled them in for 500 give or take two or three games. So that's a tough win, win total to bet. But I do think the Padres' win total of 81.5 is a tad low. I think they could they, – they won't be – they won't be as – they'll be better this year than they were worse last year, if that makes sense. That's my guess. Better bet over. Uh, Giants 81.5 win, San Fran, or the Rockies over 60.5, or do both of those numbers stink and they're strong unders? I think the, I think the Giants – over 81.5, I bet, before the Rockies. Um, I'm surprised Bud Black is still around. I don't know what he's, what motivation he has continuing to manage. He's a, he's a quality manager. He's been left with nothing for years. And that, that organization doesn't get the you – know, a lot of people, especially locally, understandably trash the A's. But nationally, the Rockies aren't getting trashed like the A's are, and I think they should. They're not really trying to win, um, and I don't quite understand why. Uh, you know, they're the only game in town in that region – um, they have they have a fan base that's ready to support them. So um, I would bet would bet Giants over before I would bet Rockies over. With that College one. basketball betting for the national title, uh, while tickets like eighteen, you know, twenty twenty five to one seem kind of juicy to actually go for a title win. Like I'll play lower numbers of that with the hope of trying to hedge uh, at least halfway through the tournament. But um, there's not a lot of teams over the years looking back that have cashed at eighteen twenty twenty five to one to win the title, right? Yeah, at least not when the tournament begins. Now, there are teams that had preseason odds that are that were beyond twenty to one. But um, I did some research last week uh, looking it up, and basically since nineteen eighty five, which is the year Villanova uh, obviously shocked Georgetown, and they were thirty five to one. Only eight championships since eighty five, eight, eight champions have had pre tournament odds like right before the tournament starts of plus fifteen hundred or longer. Um, and UConn is responsible for three of those. They won it last year at plus 1,600 uh, going into the tournament. They won it in 2011 at plus 2,500. And they're the biggest, most pronounced underdogs since this has been tracked in 2014 when they came out of nowhere as an eight seed and won it 95 to one. Um, so, yeah, it doesn't happen often. It's only happened, happened eight times. So maybe as, you know, if you're into future betting, you know, if you see a team that you like that's trending upwards right now, you know, I would be okay betting them 18, 20, maybe even 25 at the top end to one if you think that they're going to continue to play well through their conference tournament and then that number is going to come down to the 15 to one range, uh, you know, when the tournament starts. So as far as when the tournament starts, I wouldn't look much beyond 15 to one for, for a national title futures. Is a longer shot like Florida, I noticed you put Florida up on your mm-hmm. timeline, hot of late, are the Gators worth the play? 
this is where I would transition the conversation to Final Four futures. Okay. Um, and actually, I would be more inclined to play most Final Four futures before I would national title futures because of the variance of the tournament. Obviously, um, getting to you know getting to the Final Four, you still have to win two more games to win the national championship. So I think it. I think you get some some decent value on a team like Florida, which is still at BetMGM. I looked just before we came on; it's still eighteen to one to make the Final Four. I think they're playing well. You know, again, just find those teams that are not only playing well, but playing well against quality teams. And you look at Florida; they're they're seven and two against straight up against the spread their last nine games. But I'm more impressed with two losses. They lost by one point at A and M, which is a tough place to play, and they took Alabama to overtime at overtime and lost by five. That tells you that team is on the right track, moving in the right direction. You know, they're no, they're, I don't think they're a stone-cold lock to make the term. I haven't checked the, the bracketology lately, but I think they, they probably will get in out of, a, out of a quality SEC, and I think they've got a shot uh, to make a good run at it. So a final four bet on, on teams like that is one I'm more inclined to make. Matt, we're up against it, man. We appreciate it. Thanks for all the information today. We'll talk to you next Monday. Great. Appreciate it, guys. Best of luck to you.